Hello, and welcome to Captain the JS podcast. You can access this content for free at https colon slash slash web slash media slash university dash press slash introduction percent 20 to percent 20 art dash zero eight two eight one seven dot pdf. This is the introduction to visual art. We're in chapter one, what is art? Um, and obviously it's a very sequential podcast. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, this is your warning to listen to it. Let's begin. 1.3. What is visual art? To explore a subject, we need to first define it. Defining art, however, proves elusive. You may have heard it said, or even said it yourself, that it might be art, but it's not art. Which means, I might not know how to define it, but I know it when I see it. Everywhere we look, we see images designed to command our attention including images of desire, images of power, religious images, images meant to recall memories, and images intended to manipulate our appetites. But are they art? Some languages do not have a separate word for art. In those cultures, objects tend to be utilitarian in purpose will often include in their design the intent to delight, portray a special status, or commemorate an important event or a ritual. Thus, while the objects are not considered art, they do have artistic functions. 1.3.1 Historic Development of the Idea of Art The idea of art has developmentally progressed from human prehistory to the present day. Changes to the definition of art over time can be seen as attempts to resolve problems with earlier definitions. The ancient Greeks saw the goal of visual art as copying or minis... Uh, Let me repeat that sentence. Uh, The ancient Greeks saw the goal of visual art as copying, or mimesis. 19th century artists, art theorists, promote the idea that art is communication. It produces feelings in the viewer. In the early 20th century, the idea of significant form, the quality shared by aesthetically pleasing objects, was proposed as a definition of art. Today, Many artists and thinkers agree with the institutional theory of art, which shifts focus from the work of art itself to those who have the power to decide what is and is not art. While this progression of definition of art is not exhaustive, it is instructive. One point three point one point one 
mimesis. The ancient Greek definition of art as mimesis, or imitation of the real world, appears in the myth of Zeus. Uh, okay, no, it's not Zeus. Um, let me repeat that sentence as well. The ancient Greek definition of art as mimesis, or imitation of the real world, appears in the myth of Zeuxis and Parhasisos, rival painters from ancient Greece in the late 5th century BCE, who competed for the title of greatest artists. Figure 1.2. Zeuxis uh, painted a bowl of grapes so, that was so lifelike that birds came down to peck at the images of fruit. Pa Parhasius was unimpressed with this achievement. When viewing Parhasius's work, Zeuxis, uh, on his part, asked that the curtains over his painting be drawn back, back so that he could see his rival's work more clearly. Parhasius declared himself the victor because the curtain was the painting. And while Zeuxis fooled the birds with his work, Parhasius fooled a thinking human being. A much more difficult feat. So, um, figure 1.2, the Xerxes conceding defeat. Uh, quote, I have been deceived, I have deceived the birds, but Parhasius deceived Xerxes. Artist Joachim von Sandrart, engraving by Joan and Jacob von Sensdrart, author User Fay, source Wikipedia, Wikimedia Commons, licensed public domain. Okay, back to the main text. The ancient Greeks felt that the visual artist's goal was to copy visual experience. This approach appears in the realism of ancient Greek sculptures and poetry. We must sadly note that, due to the actions of time and weather, no paintings from ancient Greek art exists today. We can only surmise their quantity based on tale such as that of Xerxes and Parhasius. The obvious skill in ancient Greek sculpture and in drawing that survive on ancient Greek poetry. This definition of art as copying reality has a problem, though. Jackson Pollock, uh, 1912 to 1956 USA, a leader in the New York School of the 1950s, intentionally did not copy existing objects in his art. Figure 1.3. While painting these works, Pollock and his friends, sorry, Pollock and his fellow artists. Okay, let me repeat that entire sentence. Yes, you don't get a 
It's not a polished uh, story, as you can tell, but uh, this way you actually get content rather than, you know, uh, someone trying to perfection it and taking forever. While painting these works, Pollock and his fellow artists would consciously avoid making marks or passages that resembled recognizable objects. They succeeded at making artwork that did not copy anything, thus demonstrating that the ancient Greek view of art as mimesis, simply copying, does not sufficiently define art. So, figure 1.3 is left the she-wolf, and right gothic. And the artist is Jackson Pollock. The author is the Groupe de Bessonnais. The source is Wikimedia Commons. And license is CC by SA 4.0. Um, and I can confirm that they do not represent actual objects. Uh, now we're going to move on to 1.3.1.2. Communication. A later attempt at defining art comes from the 19th century Russian author Leo Tolstoy. Tolstoy also worked... Sorry. Tolstoy worked... Tolstoy wrote on many subjects and is the author of the great novel War and Peace. He was also an art theorist. He proposed that, the, that art is the communication of feeling, stating, Art is a human activity consisting in this, that one man consciously, by means of certain external signs, hands on to others feelings he has lived through, and that others are infected by these feelings and also experience them. This definition does not succeed because it is impossible to confirm that the feelings of the artist have been successfully conveyed to another person. Further, suppose an, art, an artist created a work of art that no one ever saw. Since no feeling had been communicated through it, would it still be a work of art? The work did not hand on to others anything at all because it was never seen. Therefore, it would fail as art, according to Tolstoy's definition. One point three point one point three significant form. To address these limitations of existing definitions of art, in nineteen thirteen, English artist Art critic Clive Bell proposed that art is significant form, or the quality that brings us aesthetic pleasure. Bell stated, to appreciate a work of art, we need to bring with us nothing but a sense of form and color. In Bell's view, the term form simply means line, shape, mass, as well as color. Significant form is the collection of these elements that rise to the level of your awareness to give you noticeable pleasure in its beauty. 
Unfortunately, aesthetics, pleasure in the beauty, and appreciation of art are impossible to measure or reliably define. What brings aesthetic pleasure to one person may not affect another. Aesthetic pleasure exists only in the viewer, not in the object. Thus, significant form is purely subjective. While Clive Bell did advance the debate about art by moving it away from requiring strict representation, his definition gets us no closer, no closer to understanding what does or does not qualify as art, as an art object. 1.3.1.4 Art World One definition of art widely held today was first promoted in the 1960s by American philosophers George Dickey and Arthur Danto, and is called the Institutional Theory of Art, or the Art World Theory. In the simplest version of this theory, art is an object or set of conditions that has been de designated as art by a person or persons acting on behalf of the art world. And the art world is a complex force, field of forces that determine what is and is not art. Unfortunately, this definition does not get us further along because it is not about art at all. Instead, it is about who has the power to define art, which is a political issue, not an aesthetic one. Okay, uh, I'm going to take a minute break as we've reached now 1.3.2. Let me see how long this is. Okay, 1.3.2, definition of art. We each perceive the world from our own position or perspective, and from that perspective, and from that perception, we make a mental image of the world. Science is the process of turning perceptions into the coherent mental picture of the universe through testing and observation, figure 1.4. Science moves concepts from the world into the mind. Science is vitally important because it allows us to understand how the world works and to use that understanding to make good predictions. Art, on the other side of our experience, art is on the other side of the exp our experiences with the world. Art moves ideas from the mind into the world. Um, so figure 1.4 is perceptions, art, and science. Um, just to describe the photo, uh, the human is seeing the planet 
And there's an arrow science from the planet to a thought bubble that the human is having. Where the human has a thought of the planet. So science is moving from the planet to a thought of the planet. Art is moving from the thought of the planet back to the planet. So this is figure 1.4, Perception, Art, and Science, by author Jeffrey Lemieux. Source is original work, and license is CC by SA 4.0. We need both art and science to exist in this world. From our earliest age, we both observe the world and do things to change it. We are all both scientists and artists. Every human activity has both a science, observation, and an art, expression, to it. Anyone who has participated in the discipline of yoga, for example, can see that even something as simple as breathing has both an art and a science to it. This definition of art covers the wide variety of objects that we see in museums, on social media, or even in our daily walk to work. But this definition of art is not enough. The bigger question is, what art is worthy of our attention, and how do we know when we have found it? Ultimately, each of us must answer the question for ourselves. But we do have help if we want it. People who have made a disciplined study of a disciplined study of art can offer ideas about what art is important and why. In the course of this text, we will examine some of the ideas about art. Some of these ideas about art. Due to the importance of respecting the individual, the decision about what art is best must belong to the individual. We ask only that the student understand the ideas as presented. When cha challenged with a question or problem about what is best, we first ask, what do I personally know about it? When we realize our personal resources are limited, we might ask friends, neighbors, and relatives what they know. In addition to these important resources, the educated person can refer to a large body of possible solutions drawn from a study of the history of literature, philosophy, and art. What did the English poet Percy Bysshe Shelley say about the truth in his essay, Defense of Poetry, 1840? Uh, and that's figure 1.5. What did French philosopher Jean-Jacques Rousseau claim about human nature in his treatise Emile, or On Education, 1762, figure 1.6? What did Joannes Vernier, 1632 to 1675, Netherlands, show us about the quiet dignity of the domestic space in his painting, Woman Holding a Balance, figure 1.7.
Though experiencing these works of arts and literature, sorry, through experiencing these works of art and literature, our ideas about such things can be tested and validated or found wanting. So let's go through these three figures. They're just self-portraits of them. Uh, figure 1.5. Portrait of Percy Bishelley. Author, Alfred Clint. Author, uses Dosetsi. Source, Wikimedia Commons. Licensed public domain. Figure 1.6. Portrait of Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Author, Maurice Quinn de la Tour. Uh, um, sorry, artist, Maurice Quinn de la Tour. Author, User Martin von Villet, source Wikipedia Commons, licensed public domain. Uh, figure 1.7 Woman holding a balance, artist Joannes Venier, author, user Dotzibot, source Wikimedia Commons, licensed public domain. We will examine works of visual art from a diverse range of cultures and periods. The challenge for you as the reader is to increase your ability to interpret works of art through the use of context, visual dynamics, and introspection, and to integrate them into a coherent worldview. The best outcome of an encounter with art is awakening of the mind and spirit to a new point of view. A mind stretched beyond itself never returns to its original dimension. Okay. So we have two smaller parts left. Uh, and we have the time for it. So let's take a half minute break. From our definition of art proposed above, sorry, this is 1.3.3, the distinction of fine art. From our definition of art proposed above, it would seem that craft and fine art are indistinguishable as both come from the mind and into the world. But the distinction between craft and art is real and important. This distinction is most commonly understood as one based on the use or end purpose of an object, or as an effect of the material used. Clay, textiles, glass, and jewelry were long considered the provenance of craft, not art. If an object's intended use was a part of daily living, then it was generally thought to be the product of craft, not fine art. But many objects originally intended to be functional, such as quilts, are now thought to be are now thought to qualify as fine art. And this brings us to figure 1.8, quilt. Author Lucy Mingo, uh, sorry, artist Lucy Mingo, author, user 
Bill Volkening. Source Wikimedia Commons, license CC by SA 4.0. It's a nice quote. So what could be the difference between art and craft? Anyone who has been exposed to training in a craft such as carpentry or plumbing recognizes that craft follows a formula, that is, a set of rules that govern not only how the work is to be conducted, but also what the, is the outcome of, outcome of the work let me repeat that sentence. Anyone who has been exposed to training in a craft such as carpentry or plumbing recognizes that craft follows a formula that is, a set of rules that govern not only how work is to be conducted, but also what the outcome of that work must be. The level of craft is judged by how closely the end product matches the predetermined outcome. We want our houses to stand and water to flow when we turn on our faucets. Fine art, on the other hand, results from a free and open-ended exploration that does not depend on a predetermined formula for its outcome or validity. Its outcome is surprising and original. Almost all fine art objects are a combination of some level, both of craft and art. Art stands on craft and goes beyond it. One point three point four. Why art matters. American physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer is considered a father of the atomic bomb for his role he played in developing nuclear weapons as part of the Manhattan Project during World War II, which runs from 1939 to 1945, and is in figure 1.9. Upon completion of the project, quoting from the Hindu epic tale Bhagavad Gita, he stated, Now I have become death, the destroyer of worlds. Clearly, Oppenheimer had read more than physics texts in his education, which fit him well for his important role during World War II. So figure 1.9 is J. Robert Oppenheimer. Author is the Los Angeles National Laboratory. Source is Wikimedia Commons and licensed public domain. Uh, when we train in mathematics and the sciences, for example, we become very powerful. Power can be used well or badly. Where in our schools is the coursework on how we use power wisely? Sorry, uh, let me repeat that. Where in our schools is the coursework on how to use the power wisely? Today, a liberal arts college education requires students to survey the arts and history of hum human cultures in order to examine a wide range of ideas about the wisdom and to humanize the powerful. With that in mind, in every course taken in university, it is hoped that you will recognize the need to, to couple your increasing intellectual power with a study of what is thought to be wisdom and to view each educational experience in the humanities as part of the search for what is better in ourselves and our communities. This text is not intended to determine 
what is what is and what or what is let me repeat that sentence this text is not intended to determine what is or is not good art and why it matters rather the point of this text is to equip you with intellectual tools that will enable you to analyze, decipher, and interpret works of art as bearers of meaning, to make your own decisions about the merit of these works, and then usefully to integrate those decisions into your daily lives. Um, so we're going to wrap up here, um, but I did want to add my own two cents to this. So, as a uh, U of T grad, it's, there's like five different categories, uh, at least when I was in university, and you have to take one uh, breadth requirement from all five categories of um, the... Uh, you have to take 40 courses in total, each four months. You have to take uh, at least one of um, each category. And in my specialization in computer science, there was a fourth-year course on, uh, the et on ethics, essentially, in computer science. Well, social impact of information technology is the official name. Uh, and we do get quite a bit of that instruction as well in other courses, like um, the introduction to computer science, we go over it a little bit, uh, as well as in some of the other related kind of classes. So I would say that there are much more integrating it into the modern curriculum than perhaps previous generations. But that's just me, computer science specialist, philosophy minor. So, uh, you can access this content for free at https colon slash slash web.ung.edu slash media slash university dash press slash introduction percent 22 percent 20 art dash 0828 17 .pdf. Thank you for listening to the Capture the JS podcast. Have a great day.